Well, good morning, church. Again, it's so good to have you in the house today as we are starting a brand new series today called Can I Have Your Attention, Please? And if you have your Bibles, a smartphone, a tablet, why don't we get started by going to Psalms, chapter number 66. And as you're going there, I just wanted to take a moment to welcome all of our VIPs today, those of you that are maybe joining us for the first, second, or third time. What an honor to have you. Thank you for being with us. We realize that there's a lot of places that you could be today, but you chose to be with us. So my prayer is that you feel welcome. My prayer is that you feel like a part of the family. And my prayer is that by the time this day is over, that you're going to leave infused with hope and that you're going to know that God is for you and that most of all, God's going to have your attention. And so thank you. Thank you for being with us today. And for those of you that are looking to get more involved at our church or maybe looking to get some more information about who, who we are, maybe you've been coming for a few weeks now or maybe a couple of months and you're wanting more information, wanting to get more involved, the next step that we encourage everyone to take, it's really easy, that next step that we invite all of you to take with us is to join us at what we call launch. And we call it launch because every great adventure begins with a launch. And we have launched step one, step two, and step three that we offer every month. Today, we are offering launch step number two, and we'll have that right at the conclusion of our gathering. There's child care if you need it. We have some refreshments as well. But I want to make sure that if you haven't yet, you join us at launch step number two. But today, as I mentioned, we're beginning a series called Can I Have Your Attention, Please? And Psalm 66, verse number five, says this. Take a good look at God's wonders. They'll take your breath away. He converted sea to dry land. Travelers cross the river on foot. Now, isn't that cause for a song? The opening exhortation, though, is one that is trying to grab our attention. Take a good look at God's wonders. Just in case you're, you're looking somewhere else, just in case your attention has been set on a different thing, the psalmist says, take a good look. Yoo-hoo! Hey, you. Yeah, that's right, you. Take a good look at God and take a good look at his wonders. Why? Because they're going to take your breath away. They're going to fill you with awe. And today I want to talk to you for just a few moments on this idea, the power of focused attention. The power of focused attention. I want you to think back with me over the course of your life. Maybe it's been over the last few days or the last few months, over the, the last many years, and I want you to think with me, and I want you to remember a time that you experienced the feeling of awe. 
We sang a song a moment ago that talked about standing before God with all. But I want you to think about a time in your life where you distinctly remember feeling awe. As I look back over my life, there are a few different points in time where I experienced that overwhelming kind of of out-of-body experience known as awe. When I was a child, every single Christmas morning, I would feel that feeling of awe. You know why? It was because my, my mom and dad kind of did things old school. You, you see, there was no buying presents, wrapping them, and putting them under the tree as you go along. It was, we're going to secretly buy the gifts, and then on Christmas Eve or the day before, we're going to once the kids have gone to bed, we're going to, in the course of a couple of hours or over the course of one night, we're going to try to wrap all of these presents at the same time. And then on Christmas Eve, after the kids are sound asleep, we're going to put them out underneath the tree so that on Christmas Day, when they come out, they are feeling excitement, and they're feeling awe. And so all December long, we would set up our tree, generally our Christmas tree, the day after Thanksgiving. And for an entire month, there would be a beautiful Christmas tree, but there would be nothing underneath it because they did not want to desensitize us to the feeling of awe that should accompany receiving a bounty of presents. And so early on Christmas Day, every single December 25th of my childhood, I can remember waking up at an ungodly hour early in the morning, going to wake up my sister and us running down the hallway into the living room to see our tree that had just the day before, been completely barren underneath, now filled with all kinds of presents. The lights are on, the Christmas music's playing, and there's all of these presents. What an awe-inspiring moment. I can remember when I was, when I was a child going to my very first Major League Baseball game. You see, from the age of five all the way up into college, I played baseball. I loved baseball. Baseball was my life. And I can remember when my dad took me to my very first Major League Baseball game. We drove from Marietta, Ohio to Cincinnati to watch our favorite team, the Cincinnati Reds, play. They were playing the Pittsburgh Pirates. And I can remember parking in the sea of cars, making our way into the, to the concrete fortress, which at the time was Riverfront Stadium, working my way through all of the, 
concrete and all of the lack of color and heading down the tunnel that would take us out to where we would locate our seats. And I can remember vividly as if I was there walking out of that gray, dimly lit tunnel that was surrounded by concrete, walking out and seeing that green grass. And never has grass appeared so green. Those white lines of chalk down the first and the third base line, the contrast of the white with the green and the dirt of the field, the red seats, just the, the, the vivid image that is burned in my mind. It was awe-inspiring then. It's still awe-inspiring to this day. And maybe it was the most awe-inspiring moment of my life, but it was when I first moved to the Pacific Northwest. I'm originally from Ohio, and in my mid-20s, I relocated to the Seattle area. And I can remember when I first moved one day, and I just happened to look out because on this particular day, it was not gray, rainy, overcast, and drizzling. And I was driving out Highway 167 on the southeast side of the greater Seattle metro area. I was going from Renton to Kent to Auburn to Puyallup. And on this particular day, the the skies were clear and the sun was shining. And looming majestically, And magnificently in the distance was the white-capped peaks of Mount Rainier. Being from the Midwest, from the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains and from the cornfields of Ohio, I was absolutely blown away by what was in front of me. It was like this this gigantic volcano was just looming out of the earth and I was driving directly into it. Covered with snow year round. Reaching over 14,000 feet from sea level to highest point without any gradual incline. Boom, there it is. And I can remember just being mesmerized almost to the point of hypnotized by it. Like I just didn't want to talk. I didn't want to look away. I just wanted to stare at Mount Rainier. And all as you have reflected even over the times in your life where you experienced awe, awe is an awesome and is a powerful thing. Do you know that awe 
is one of the greatest motivators that we will ever have in our life because awe is the portal to advancement and it is the catalyst for change. It is all that provokes a scientist and an inventor to push past thousands of failures to arrive at their breakthrough. It was all that brought men to the moon and machines to the furthest corners of our galaxy and explorers to the deepest places in the sea. The great philosopher Socrates said, wisdom begins in awe and wonder. And then his successor Plato said, it is philosophy that begins in awe and in wonder. Awe is not only one of the greatest motivators that we'll ever have in our life, but it is also one of the greatest rewards that we'll ever experience. It is both a motivator and it is a reward. Awe serves as its own reward because it cracks open a door in our heart. It gives us access to see and to feel and to experience things that we otherwise do not. For those of you that know me, you know that ever since I was in kindergarten sitting cross-legged on the floor at Reno Elementary School, I have held a deep love and affection for the movie Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And one of my favorite scenes in the movie is where little Charlie is finally given the golden ticket and he's allowed access with the other brats into the candy factory. And, and the, the, the beginning parts of it, while fascinating and interesting and have some hidden surprises, they pale in comparison to the moment when Charlie and those with him step into the central room of Willy Wonka's world of wonder. They're traveling down this hallway, again, very similarly to when I went to Riverfront Stadium with my father to watch the Cincinnati Reds for the very first time. Charlie and his friends are headed down this this hallway and there's nothing too impressive about it. But then when the door opens and they step through, there's so much color. Candy on trees, candy flowers, a chocolate river. At the age of five, and now at the age of 45, I am still held spellbound by the idea of candy on trees and a chocolate river. Come on, somebody. A chocolate waterfall. Oompa Loompas. It was absolutely amazing. And Charlie is in complete and total awe. And Willy Wonka notices the awe that he's experiencing and he begins to sing. And he invites Charlie and all of us who are within earshot to join him really on a road to discovering all in our own life. And this is what he says, come with me and you'll be in a world 
of pure imagination. Take a look and you'll see into your imagination. If you want to view paradise, simply look around and view it. Anything you want to, do it. Want to change the world? There's nothing to it. There is no life I know to compare with pure imagination. Living there, you'll be free if you truly wish to be. All is life-changing. All will transport us out of the parade of predictability into a place where we can encounter God and experience something from God that is otherworldly, that's supernatural. And that's why as Christians and as people of faith, we need to feel awe. Have you ever noticed that probably in your life right now, there is a very obvious and apparent lack of all. In fact, as I was encouraging you to think back of a time in your life where you felt all, I'm curious how far back you had to travel. Because if your experience in life, if your experience in the 21st century is anything like mine right now, you're probably noticing that one of the things that you have felt the least for the longest period of time is that of awe. But as Christians, as people of faith, as followers of Jesus, we need to feel all. One reason is very simply, R.C. Sproul, who is a theologian and, and a Christian writer, he said that people in awe never complain that church is boring. And then Dr. Jonathan Haidt, who is an author, who is a psychologist, and who is a professor at New York University, who interestingly is at the opposite end of the spectrum from R.C. Sprawl because he is an atheist, he said that the increase in negative things in our society and the decline of good things in our society is because, and I am, and I am quoting, we are bombarded with triviality and we are in awe of nothing. But hear me today, it is important for us to experience awe because awe is critical for a catalytic experience. Because after all, that's what really our faith is all about. Our faith, the faith that we carry with us, it is about an ongoing living encounter with the living God more than it is just a bunch of information that we compile and add to our minds. Faith is about 
releasing the fire of God into the world and seeing the world come alive and seeing the world transformed. Faith is active. It is vibrant. It is powerful. You think about the things associated with our faith. One, let's look at God. The New Testament says that our God is a consuming fire. Look at the word of God. The New Testament says that the word of God is quick and powerful and it is sharper than a two-edged sword. That it cuts, that it's alive, that it gives us what we need Look at the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the presence and the power of the living God in our midst. And this whole thing, this whole idea about faith is that once we experience a catalytic experience in our own life, because faith is not about mental assent, it's about something that gets a hold of us that transforms us to our core. Faith provides a catalytic experience within us, which then spills out of us, and then we are involved in those catalytic experiences all around us. But awe is critical in order to have it. In fact, we see this in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, when the church begins. Acts Chapter number two, it tells us that the followers of Jesus, his disciples, they numbered about 120. They're in a room. They're praying. They're seeking God for the promise that God gave them. He said, if you will go to Jerusalem and if you'll, you'll pray and you'll wait and you'll seek me, I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. I'm going to give you something that is going to absolutely turn your world upside down so that you can go out and turn the world upside down. And Acts 2 documents that all 120 are baptized in the Holy Spirit and then a crowd gathers and then 3,000 people believe that Jesus is God and they're baptized and the church in just a matter of hours is now running 3,120 people and from that point on, days after, weeks after, the, 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 the small flame that starts in that room in Jerusalem is now becoming a raging wildfire and people are being changed. The community is being changed. And how is that? Why is that? Acts 2.43 tells us a deep sense of awe came over them all. All of those believers. You see, they did not view church. They did not view faith. They did not view the things of God in the same way that necessarily an American would in the 21st century, where it's about duty and obligation and doing the right thing, religiously speaking, and going through motions and following some form and ritual. It was not like that for them. It was about all that came over them. And then the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. But it was all that that was critical for that catalytic experience. The second thing that I want to leave with you here today is this, that all is critical for our ongoing development and transformation. 
Like I would imagine that you come to church, a large part of why you gather and, and why you've said yes to Jesus is that you recognize the deficits in your life and you're wanting him to change you. You're wanting him to transform you. Well, all is critical for our ongoing development and transformation. In fact, Dr. Jonathan Haidt, the professor at New York University who I mentioned is an atheist, a few years ago, he teamed up with yet another atheist, Dr. Dacher Keltner, who is a professor of psychology at the University of California, Berkeley. They said, and I quote, track with me, all motivates people to do things that enhance the greater good. It shifts our focus from our narrow self-interest to something greater. It binds us to others, motivating us to act in collaborative ways that enable strong groups and cohesive communities. It makes us more generous. All makes us more generous, more cooperative, and it leads us to share more resources and sacrifice more for others. Our research shows that all leads people to feel smaller, therefore more humble, less narcissistic and entitled, and more attuned towards the needs of those around us. I think it's interesting that two atheist psychologists came to the same awareness that the scripture has been teaching us for thousands of years. Because we see this very reality playing out in a unique scenario in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter number six. We see very clearly that awe is critical to ongoing development and transformation. Because it says this, it features this, this narrative, it focuses in on a man by the name of Isaiah and at a very vulnerable time in his life, and we'll hear about that, he experiences all. And this is what it says, Isaiah 6. It was in the year King Uzziah died. For Isaiah, Uzziah was more than a political figure. It was a friend. It was in the year that my friend and leader, King Uzziah, died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple, and attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. And I want you to picture you're in his shoes, you're experiencing this. And we're not talking about Universal Studios, and we're not talking about Disney. We're talking about a man in a time of grief opens his eyes and sees mighty seraphim, each having six wings. Two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying around. And they were calling out to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And their voices shook the temple to its foundations. And the entire building was filled with smoke. I would say that's a pretty awe-inspiring situation. Angels, giant angels with six wings, they're yelling, the building's shaking, there's smoke everywhere. And Isaiah said, 
now that he feels all. It's all over. I'm doomed for I'm a sinful man. I've got filthy lips. I live among a people who have filthy lips. But yet I have seen the king. I've seen the Lord of heaven's armies. And then one of those angelic seraphim flew to me with a burning coal that he took from the altar with a pair of tongs and he touched my lips with it and he said, you see this coal? It's touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed. Everyone say transformation. Everyone say, I'm developing. This coal has touched your lips. Your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. And then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? And it is Isaiah who is filled with awe, who is now experiencing transformation shifts away from the selfishness of the grief that he is feeling. And he says, here I am, send me. And God said, yes, go. And when you go, start saying, start speaking. It was all that resulted in Isaiah becoming a better and different person than he was before he had the experience. Hear me today, friends. There is something about an absence of all in our lives that makes it hard to authentically celebrate, to authentically develop and change, or to authentically progress. Albert Einstein said this, he who can no longer pause to wonder and stand wrapped in all is as good as dead. His eyes are forever closed. So we could agree today that all is vital. But let me tell you the rest of the story. I was blown away by Mount, Reve- by, by Mount Rainier that particular day when I looked at it for the first time. And I would say that my response to the mountain was that way week after week and month after month. But amazingly, after living in Washington for a while, I stopped Paying Mount Rainier as much attention. In fact, there would be times that I would be with friends, family members, guests from out of town, and I would be looking at that same majestic site, and I would be flipping through the radio, looking at the person trying to have conversation, don't judge me because I was driving or maybe a passenger. Let's say that I was a passenger, so the judgment's less, but looking at my phone. But I just paid so much less attention to the very thing that at one time 
left me spellbound. And do you know here today that focused attention is a vital component of all. I have to be, you have to be, we have to be in the presence of something amazing and then have enough attention to perceive it. You know, there are, and you'll know this particularly if you're a teacher or if you're a parent, that there are different levels of attention that someone can have. The first is what I would call instantaneously refocused attention, and that's when suddenly you or I are drawn to a specific, very important issue or quick ordeal requiring our immediate attention and quick action while completely leaving the previous focus to be resumed later. The second kind of attention that we have in our lives is that of selective attention. And how many wives can say amen in regards to that and their husbands? Selective attention. And that is simply choosing what and how much we invest our focus and on what we filter out. The third level of attention is that of alternating attention, and that's shifting our cognitive understanding from one thing to another. And then the last level or type of attention is that of focused attention. And focused attention is simply the ability to focus on one or two things for a continuous period while maintaining a focused behavior until achieving a desired outcome. And this is the goal for all of us. And here's why. Here's the big idea of my message today and the beginning of this series. It is impossible. It is impossible to experience all without focused attention. What gets your focused attention stirs your affections and then moves your actions. In other words, what you behold is what you become. What you think about is what you care about, and what you care about is what you'll chase. You see, we're starting this series, Can I Have Your Attention, Please? Because God, right now, is trying to get our focused attention. He always has been trying to get our focused attention because he is attempting to invite us into his love and care. He's trying to invite us into accomplishing his purposes and to fulfill his dreams on the earth. And we see that since the beginning of humankind, he has been trying to get our focused attention. With Abraham, one day he shows up and says, Abraham, walk with me for a moment. You have your attention elsewhere. Look up, and I want you to see the stars. Look 
at the vastness of the universe. Try to number those balls of light that you can see. Now, go with me, Abraham, to the beach, and do you see all of the sand? Imagine how many grains of sand there are and know that it is to that degree that I'm wanting to use your life. Abraham, can I have your attention, please? And then it was Moses, can I have your attention, please? Your attention is elsewhere. And so God appears before him as a burning bush, a bush that's raging with fire, yet's not consumed. What about Gideon, working, minding his own business and one day experiences an angelic visitation? Gideon, can I have your attention, please? And throughout the Bible and throughout time and history and as recently as right now in your life and my life, God is trying to get our focused attention simply by using events in the world. This very moment, these last few days, the last couple of weeks, it is very apparent that God is trying to get the world's attention. But you know what? To be honest with you, I am less concerned with the world and I am more concerned about us in this room and about those that are going to be listening to this podcast. God is trying to get our attention, and he wants our focused attention. So why in the world do we stop paying attention to God? Why do we stop paying attention to the things of God and what it is that's closest to his heart how is it that I stopped being amazed by Mount Rainier and I think there's two reasons the first is simply overexposure you see it too much you're around it too much and the very thing that you at one time were grateful for and amazed by You now treat it as ordinary and common and you allow at a certain level over familiarity into your heart and into your life. Which is the exact opposite of honor because honor is taking what is common and ordinary and viewing it as special. And here's what happens. We become too familiar with something and that overexposure and that overfamiliarity leads to underappreciation. The second reason I think that we stop paying attention is because we have so many distractions. So many distractions. Distraction. Distraction distraction and you think about your life and think about our experience right here in Lake Norman 
each and every day. Distractions, distractions, distractions. But I'm so glad that you're here today because God was wanting me to let you know that distractions from your attention impedes your ability to have all. And it's that all that's so important to have when it comes to all the things we've already shared about. So how do we get our all back? We read in Acts 2.43 that they were hit with a sense of all. Well, how did they get all? How did they experience it? We see the answer in Acts 2 and verse number 42. It says simply, all of the believers devoted themselves to. And then it begins to list all of the things that they were devoted to. Devoted to. Acts 2.43 is the is the effect they had all Acts 2:42 is the cause they devoted themselves when you devote yourself to something you give it the focused attention it needs so that you can experience all again in your life. They, when it came to God and the things of God, they focused their attention on devotion. I'm going to be devoted to reading God's Word. I'm going to be devoted to being around other believers who will encourage me and speak life over me. And help me to grow in my faith. I am going to be devoted to pouring my gifts and talents out to help others and serve at church and serve outside of church. I'm going to be devoted to living generously. I'm going to be devoted to spreading faith and good news and positive things and not division and negativity. I'm going to be devoted devoted why because what has your focused undivided attention stirs your affections and moves your actions and what you behold is what you become and what you think about is what you care about and what you care about you'll chase Will you stand with me here today? The last thing I want to leave with you is this. The attention, the attention that we give to the Word of God, the attention that we give to the moving of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit is doing in our life, the attention that we give to all of the things of God along with the application that we enforce with it is going to become the equipping to each and every one of us for a walk of faith and a wisdom that you experience in your life in Jesus Christ. We've got to have all. He created us to be awestruck. 
He created us to have moments that almost allow us to transcend reality. But you can't have all if you're not giving something your focused attention. And I just feel like today God is telling me and he's telling you and he's telling this church and he's telling this community and he's telling this nation, he's telling this world, can I have your attention please? I am wanting to do amazing and miraculous things in you and for you and through you. I'm wanting you to have experiences that are beyond your wildest imaginations. I am wanting to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think. But just focus on me for a little while. Where is your devotion? Where is your attention? I can't be a part of what you focus on. I can't be one of the options that you're attending to. I've got to have your focused attention. I hear the Holy Spirit saying to us, give me your devotion. Give me your efforts and your energies. Give me all of you. Surrender it to me and together we'll see some pretty amazing things. Together. Together we can see transformation. and The world can be a better place. You bow your head and close your eyes with me today. I want to take a moment to just pray for you. I want to pray in this moment that we could just surrender today. I'm sorry, I know that I've gone longer than than I normally do, but I, I just, before we close, I wanted to just take a moment to just allow the the word of God, to allow the Holy Spirit to just speak to us for a moment challenge us and ultimately to get our attention back on who it needs to be on what it needs to be on and will you devote will you devote yourself to him will you devote yourself to his work Will you devote yourself to serving others? Will you devote yourself to advancing his kingdom? Will you devote yourself to growing in your faith? Will you devote yourself to helping others to grow in their faith? Father, I thank you today. I thank you for your spirit. And I thank you for your word. And I just pray today, God, that you would do something eternal in this place today. God, I pray that we would in this moment make the decision to begin a fresh start. 
It might be for the first time. It might be for the first time in a long time. But, but Father, help us today to get our attention back on you. God, I pray that, that over-familiarity nor distractions would keep us from what you have for our life. Jesus, we love you and we just thank you for your love. We love you only because you love us so much. And we just want to stand in awe and pour our love on you. Thank you today for changing us and working in us. We give you honor, glory, and praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said,